Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I'm joined with Jack Jack. How's it going, Jack Jack? Good, good. Hey guys. And Joe748, my co host. Fibrous co host. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good. Sorry, what? we were just talking about protein bars right before we started mm-hmm. recording and getting into a whole thing. That's right, yeah. Fi- fibrous protein Lots bars. Of fiber. Why don't you share Everyone your. Uh, make sure you have your fiber. Travel yeah, techniques. Jack Jack's got this lineup of protein bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had uh, four of these protein bars. Well, actually, I had more of these when I'm traveling, so in case I get hungry on the airplane for the long flight over here or when I'm traveling, even locally for all the casinos, I have like a pack of these in my car. Oh, yeah. We're getting into the deep stuff right off the bat. What, what are we doing in Vegas? What, what are we doing in Vegas? We're on day two of the uh, boot camp. That's right. Getting up a little early, recording a podcast. Yeah, it's really early. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, Jack-Jack, for joining us here uh, at Casa de Boot Camp and sharing your story. Let's, let's get into it. Oh, and for those who don't know, there, there's a ghost in the room next to us without a microphone, a, a uh, protein-packed uh, friend, friend here, Stan the Caddy. You want to say hi? Hey, everybody. It's a pleasure being here. Go, go pack, go. Yeah, you don't see you're the only one who knows the shirt. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give any more uh, hints to, to uh, who you are or anything. We're going to get into this podcast with Jack Jack. Uh, so you want to share with us how you got interested in this crazy thing called Advantage Play? Man, wow. This, this goes way back, way back. <laughs> so um, uh, just uh, looking back at like, where I started was, was probably back in the 80s when I was a kid and playing video games at the arcade and trying to beat the video games. So uh, one, of the, uh, one of the popular games at the time was, was Pac-Man. So that's yeah. when Pac-Man first came out. And, uh, and right around that time, there was this book called Mastering Pac-Man by Ken Houston. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's just a, a person that starts showing up throughout, you know, that, that I, I, I get interested in. Uh, you know, throughout my life, you know, since then, so. Well, yeah. yeah, what was, like, the main po- talking points of that book? Like, how, how do you master Pac-Man? Right, so it's learning the patterns for Pac-Man. Uh, okay. So Pac-Man, you know, you have your maze and everything, and, and uh, he laid out, well, these are the patterns that you need to go with in order to beat this game. And uh, different levels, you have different patterns that you master, and just memorize those patterns, and that's your good "quote unquote" basic strategy for Pac-Man and beating Pac-Man. Which is like the predecessor to my era was Super Mario Brothers, yeah. and you had to memorize the the last castle. You had to do the right pattern to get to uh, Bowser right. to save Princess Peach. Um, right. So there was a lot of a lot <laughs> of uh, you know trial and error. Like okay, top bridge, lower. Top, top, or whatever. Right. And right. and the predecessor was Renaissance man, card counter, Ken Houston, saying, forget beating casinos for money. I'm going to master Pac-Man and write a book <laughs> on it. And that, that was your introduction. That was my introduction to, to quote-unquote, advantage play and just playing video games and uh, just, just getting into that and just having the curiosity of, like, okay, well, how, how can I beat this game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then what? So, so then next step, you're beating casinos? No, no. <laughs> then, you know, life takes me in all kinds of different directions, but somehow... Middle school and high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, high school, getting in, in a trouble in high school with things like learning how to pick locks and <laughs> things like that, which I still do now um, as part of, 
part of part of slight small part of my job now, so part of my career. So, so a little background on myself. I have a background in cybersecurity. So, um, with cybersecurity, you always, you always think about well, how how can we protect this system or this organization, and how can we get into this system or organization? So, we're always you know trying to think creatively and how to do do those things. Cool. So, okay. So, high school, and then what? Um, as far as advanced play. So. Um, then, you know, the movies come out and, uh, the, you know, you, you, of course, you had Rain Man that, you know, talks about Blackjack, you know. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and then, um, let's see, what other movies came out? Uh, Rounders was a big, big movie back in the, like, right around 2000 was another one. It's like, oh, you can actually beat poker, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and just seeing that, that inspired me to start going down that path of looking at poker and Blackjack. And I spent a lot of time back when there was bookstores. Yeah. So um, I spent a lot of time in a section, and the, the my local bookstore had all the two plus two uh, books, you know, from Sklansky and Melmoth. Uh-huh. And so yeah. I just buried myself into those books, and I didn't know anything about casino games at all. But Sklansky and Melmoth, uh, they actually wrote a lot about, you know, positive EV and games mm-hmm. and probability and casino games like that. So I started reading about that. I didn't know how to play any uh, casino games at all, but that's how I learned how to play a casino game was actually the right way, the, you know, with an advantage or with a, a basic strategy. So did you get into poker? I did. I did. I played a lot of poker. And uh, this is before uh, No Limit Hold'em, Hold'em started getting popular around the area. And, and my local casino only had Limit Hold'em. Mm-hmm. So, well, I read uh, Sklansky's book on, on beating low limit. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. used to play that in the casinos a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, was, that was like my escape from card counting. Oh yeah, yeah. Beating the the limit hold'em games. Yeah, so I was playing that. At the same time, uh, another key book that was really important it was um, uh, Lawrence Rivera's book, Blackjack as a Business. Mm-hmm. So that you know that was a book that was like the first book with your basic strategy and colors, you know, color coded basic strategy. And I really learned that uh, that part of uh, blackjack and memorized basic strategy from there. Um, my girlfriend at the time, she ended up learning basic strategy because I was spending so much time with that book and, and, and learning that, that she ended up learning how to count as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so you learned counting with your girlfriend and then you start, start then, playing? Yeah. And then uh, we came out here to Vegas one year and, uh, you know, we were playing blackjack and she was, she was doing the uh, ace side count while I was counting as well. And she was communicating the A-side count to me while I was playing basic strategy. And uh, yeah, so we did that. Um, But one thing about that was just, I had no idea about uh, what I was getting into in terms of variance for the game. Uh Even now, you know, uh, variance for blackjack is is, uh, pretty insane. So you gotta prepare for that variance. Like, did you guys set aside a budget and Oh, bankroll for that, or it was just more of a casual recreational. Yeah, trip. yeah, it was more casual and rec- yeah. recreational because um, the the uh, the sources I had um, for for card counting, you know, it wasn't one, it wasn't complete, right? And uh, you didn't have a, like a comprehensive like course or a comprehensive system, so mm-hmm. it was it was kind of learning as you go along and yeah. seeing what's happening, you know, and, and uh, you know trial and error, which. Which is a very slow way to learn. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when your girlfriend, was she doing, were you not counting? She was counting and then you were playing basic strategy? Well, or? we were using a high opt, 
What, what, high up two or which one? Which one? I forgot which one it was, but I, I dropped that count. Uh-huh. But There's it was APC you, or yeah, you needed the A side count. Uh-huh. Okay, so she did the aces. You did the the, yeah. the main part of the count while yeah. playing basic strategy, and yeah. then she'd communicate to you, and you'd be doing all the betting. Was yeah. she playing or just counting aces? She was just playing, counting aces, uh-huh. and then sometimes she she come in and play a little bit, yeah. and just play basic strategy. But it, yeah, it was it was not good. It was <laughs> I'm not sure if it was even. It might have been a slightly negative game, or yeah. maybe slightly break even. But yeah, and our betting structure was not there at all. We had no bet spread at all. So how did you get to the point of kind of putting it all together? Um, well, that's when I found you guys. Right, and uh, I sent you that email that I uh, long time from ago. from uh, like. like ten years ago yeah. when I found Blackjack Apprenticeship, and uh, um, yeah, yeah, I, I found you guys, and and when I was watching your videos that you had on YouTube, it was like, oh wow, these guys like like have everything down because well, those are early YouTube videos, right, <laughs> right? And this is all the stuff that I was reading in all these books, but it it like filled out a lot of gaps in oh, my nice. knowledge for Blackjack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until um, you know, uh, on Blackjack Apprenticeship, I was, I was sort of, uh, in, the, in the early days, I was, um, you know, on your mailing list and everything, you were sending uh, emails out. I didn't quite join the forum yet, you know, and because and, you know, I was still on the fence with that, but then I saw uh, one of your emails when you were going to release Holy Rollers, the, mm-hmm. the DVD, like, I was like, well, that's pretty cool, you know, and I, I was like one of your first buyers, you know, <laughs> I was probably one of the first buyers of the DVD, and when I was watching the DVD, um, that's when the concept of actually getting a set a number of hours in at the table on a monthly basis was a part. Mm. I'm like, wow, that was that was a, you know brand new concept to me that just completely made sense. Like you got to get your hours in. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't like um, you just go to Vegas for a weekend, a couple weekends, and then you're you know rolling in the dough. Right, right. Yeah, you have to get a set number of hours in order to. Uh, to, to uh, make sure that uh, you can overcome that variance. Yeah. Right? So, so you got this new info and then you just took then, off running or how no, did No, yeah. no, no. It's still time goes by and I'm still on the fence for everything. Um, well, you're on the 30-year plan. I am. What, I am. what was it that made you a little bit hesitant about kind of going for it? Um, I think, you know, just life gets in the way and it probably wasn't the right time in my life and I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to it because I was still going to school, you know, and having my regular nine to five job and career and things like that. And then, you know, it wasn't until, um, what, three years ago I started really getting serious back into it because, you know, with all these, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, what's a good side hustle? What kind of business, you know, would I like to to have? And, uh, you know, I was looking at other businesses that I could p- potentially start. Professional Pac-Man player. Yes, yes, and uh, have a Pac-Man uniform with a hat. <laughs> and then I came across Blackjack Apprenticeship again. And eight uh, years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many years later. So that's when I decided to go all in, and I joined. You know, I joined joined the forum. You know, and by this time, you know, Holy Rollers, you know, came out, and then. Uh, and I, I knew that, uh, once Holy Rollers came out, that you guys would be like really, really popular afterwards, you know, with the movie and everything. So, um, and I knew boot camp was going to be, you know, much more than it was the first couple of boot camps that you oh, yeah. had, but I, I was expecting that because I knew the, the movie would make you guys popular. So, uh, so then I joined and that's when I just went all in and then just went through the full course, learned everything, uh, about you, you abandoned the 
the level three counter. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the, uh, the unbalanced counts and. Uh, so like, yeah. how many hours of training do you think you went through before you uh, attended the boot camp? Um, I'm probably right around, probably a little more than the 200 hours that we we all talk about. Um, it took a little longer for me to learn and. Um, it, you know, it's just constant practice, you know, and, and when I talked to you, uh, Colin, about coming to boot camp, I probably only had uh, about 100 hours of live table time. And I don't, don't think I was quite ready for boot camp, you know, when I came. came you here. weren't ready to, like, just, you know, master your, your test out or whatever. Right, right. And also I was pushing myself if to I, it. If I remember, you were ready for a boot camp, but right. maybe, yeah, maybe not where you would have loved to have been. right. Right. Yeah. And at bootcamp, I was really pushing myself too. Whereas like, well, I want to use my real bet spread. I want to spread it two hands, you know, mm-hmm. so I had, I was really ambitious about that, but, um, with, yeah, yeah. With some of the, the, the distractions during the test outs, you know, it was, it was like, oh, okay. These, these are probably some things that I encounter in, in the casino in real life as well. So I took that to heart and, uh, you know, patched up my game on that. Okay, cool. So after the test out, um, you went you went home and practiced a little bit more before you started hitting the casinos. Yeah, or? I was practicing more at uh, you know still red chipping. So until uh, just at really really low limits. So if you look at my chart, you know, I, you know my chart is just minuscule in the beginning, just try, trying to get all my hours in, and you know I I probably be down you know one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know. It, and I'm just hovering at 150 down and then just slowly moving up, you know, trying to bet it's at the low limit tables, the lowest blackjack table that I could find. So um, this was at the time when I was terrified of the $15 minimum tables, uh-huh. you know, and I was looking for the $5 minimum tables for me to practice on. And I think that's a more of a healthy response, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a long time to get to fifteen dollars, but uh, so you yeah. got to a point where you felt like your your game was solid. Yeah. And, and then what? Then I hit it hard, you know. And then as my bankroll started growing, um, I just uh, managed my bet spread as my bankroll grew, you know, for just keeping it at a good comfortable risk of ruin. So what was that like going from, you know, being afraid of the $15 tables to hitting it hard? Uh, it took a little while. And the first couple of big losses were, were, uh, were, uh, gut wrenching. Yeah. So like the first time I lost, you know, I'm at a $25 table completely above, you know, like anything I'm used to for betting. And then when you get, you know, like a six hundred or nine hundred dollar loss. You know, from from that. You know, that was like, oh wow, that was a huge loss. But I guess uh, you start getting immune to it as you continue to play, and as your bankroll gets bigger, and and you start uh, the losses get bigger as well. You know, the variance gets bigger. So, but then you have the you know on the flip side of that, you have your your big runs as well. So like you know, you go to the boot camp and you hear stories from everyone, all the different pros and stuff, and you hear this kind of stuff over and over again. But when you start playing, like what was the, what was the difference in practice, like or like in play versus the talks and the podcasts and the hearing about all this? Yeah. Um, or like, what did you not expect? I think the a lot of the conversation comes down to I think one of the concepts that I picked up from the forum as well as maybe a couple a couple of the podcasts you know from previous guests were the emotional bankroll and uh, and how how much of an emotional bankroll do you need to have in order to to ride out these swings so fortunately you know I've made a lot of friends with all these other you know card counters here that I met through 
uh, you know, the form and everything. And, and, you know, everyone's going through these, these swings as well. Right. And, uh, and just understanding the percentage risk of ruin and what kind of swing that can cause, you know, that took a lot, a while for me to, to prepare for. I mean, even now, you know, the swings, the swings are bad, but you know, it's, it's like not as bad as when I first started. So I think I'm, I'm becoming a little more immune to the uh, swings now. Did you, were you um, still doing your nine to five while playing at this point or, or did you yeah. abandon that? Yeah, okay. still doing my How did you fit five. in both blackjack and the nine to five? It's uh, kind of uh, any spare time that I had, I would, uh, I would go and, and play and try to get, you know, set a goal and get those hours in. So, um, you know, I do my nine to five job and then if I'm traveling for, for the job, you know, afterwards I would go to the casino and, and get some time in. So fortunately with my job, I can travel. And, um, and if there's a local casino nearby, I would go check that out and try to get some hours in. So what's it, this started, you started playing actively two, three years ago and are you still enjoying it? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Blackjack is great. I mean, like, um, I was playing last night um, and, uh, and, and, uh, it's at a casino that's, that I'm actually staying at. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm comped there at the casino, but, uh, I was just keeping a real, real tight spread. So it doesn't look like that I'm, I'm blasting. And what do you mean by a tight spread? I'm probably doing a slightly negative EV game because my spread is only, um, like one to two, one to three, but I'm, I'm doing it just to get, get, uh, the, the points on my card uh-huh. as well. So, so, uh, just to get the action and play on the card as well as the hours in as well. And then what, what are you doing outside of, you know, playing, playing for the comps? Um, there's, uh, you know, you have other plays at the casino as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you're looking at those and, uh, and it's, it's, uh, just looking at, looking out for those and just looking at how to attack the casino as a whole right but when you're you know traveling for work or whatever you're still counting cards yeah yeah but i'll, I'll play unrated when i'm traveling yeah. for cuz i'm just in for the city i'm in that town or region for you know maybe a week or so and i'll hit the casinos pretty hard with a full spread do you ever have problems like um yeah you're playing unrated and you got you have a bunch of chips and you try to go cash them and they just yeah. are demanding ID while you're on the road, but you're not going to be back. So right. what yeah, do you do? In that so I, I made a post on this too, because I was, I was uh, reading some of the forum posts where some of the guys were having a, a difficult time having to show ID. Um, when I'm at the casino, I'll, I'll slowly cash out chips. So I'll rat hole some chips and I'll try to keep my cash outs under a thousand dollars. And sometimes I'll run to the cage, you know, on a bathroom break to cash out some chips if I rat hold enough. And that way, most of the times, if I, uh, yeah, most of the times I found that if you go up to the cage with less than a thousand dollars, they really don't, they, they really don't bother. You know, less than a thousand dollars is nothing to them. So, so, so today, in the, since you actually, you know, finished testing out or finished your training, all that stuff, you know, like roughly how many hours you've played. Um, just about 500 hours. Okay. I haven't added the, I um, haven't added the hours from last night, so <laughs> I, I think I'm like four, well, 490. If those are slightly negative EV, then yeah, yeah. those don't, not in the same ballpark as, as you know, the investing hours right. at the table. Yeah. But, but, okay, so roughly 500 hours, and that's on top of your full-time job. Yeah. So a couple hundred, obviously we all had to take a little break during, during a quarantine or whatever, but roughly yeah. a couple hundred hours a year. Yeah, yeah. 
So that was two. So I went to um, August 2019 boot camp. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, okay. Years. So yeah. about close to 300 hours a year. Yeah. Um, two. Yeah, 250 something like that. Um, and uh, has has it been what you were hoping as far as an investment? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's it's a it's a great side gig because because that was your goal was like what sort of side hustle? What were you? Do you know what you're like trying trying to do with the side hustle? Like ten, twenty thousand a year, or something like that, um, or more. Well, I I didn't even know what to expect from it as per. Uh, but just when you were considering a right. side hustle, right? What was your goal? Uh, well, that's that's something that you asked during our boot camp. You know, it's it's like. Well, what what is everyone's goal, yeah. you know, for boot camp? And my my goal is to pay off my house. So um, now I see a path and a vehicle that I can use to pay off my house. Right so on. I had I had no idea what to expect from this, and um, just card counting and AP in general has has uh, has surpassed anything that I could could imagine in terms of what's possible. Wow. Yeah. 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 So it's it's meeting the helping you meet the financial goals of of. Uh, Secondary income to pay off your house. Yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really nice when um, I assume your work is paying for all your travel and yep. accommodations and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a, a huge advantage for part-timers is to have that ability. I, um, I, I think one thing that Jack-Jack didn't um, collaborate on is that from when he started to somewhere in to his play, he got a new job. And he also burned down almost every casino in his area. <laughs> so his first year of play was quite substantial. And yeah. Then, and then because of COVID, he wasn't traveling. So he was really, really limited on the casinos he could go to. So it really cut into his next year of the hours that he was able to get. Yeah. What has that transition been like? Because I remember you reached out a while after your boot camp, you know, sent me your, your results. I was like, Whoa, this is great. Did, did we shared it on the, did I ask you to share it or did I share it on? Yeah. You shared it in a video. Oh, okay. So, That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, those, those were my results on the graphs like yeah. right around the beginning of, uh, COVID. So yeah. Yeah. That was cool to, you know, um, see, see the progress you'd made, but what's it been like, you know, since that, so you played a ton, burned your local places, change yeah. of job. And now, it, are are you still traveling for work? So you're able to do it that way? Yeah, yeah. I'm still traveling for work. I'm not getting as many focused hours in because that was I was doing. You know, one month I had 80 hours in on, on a month, mm -hmm. and yeah, I was doing about 50 to 80 hours a month on those, and then and then lockdown happened. So yeah, you know, and then I'm like, well, where do I play now? But now, you know, things are starting to open back up, and uh, you know, I can find places. Um, not so much my locals yeah. where I can go because uh, some of them, some of the staff still still remember me. Um, but and about uh, how many locals do you have around you? About eight. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that lasted for about how many um, months? Well, from a low bet spread, it was it was nice. You know, when yeah. you're red shipping, you, they don't yeah. really care, right? Until you start getting the bigger bets out, then then you start getting the heat, and that's when I started getting backed off. Especially since they saw me there all the time as well, <laughs> you know. And then then I started getting a, a collection of chips when they, you know, I had one one uh, dealer says. Oh, he has he has a pocket full of black chips right in there. She was telling the pit boss because I would come to the table and you know start with uh you know the the uh, the minimum bet and then I'd start spreading. Yeah. So, in hindsight, are you glad you 
went aggressively at your local casinos the way you did? Do you wish you would have like, you know, treaded lightly or, or it, was the money worth it to just get, get the money and move on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the last part is actually going in with no cover and just getting the money, right? I, one thing that I would have changed for my locals was I think I would have played unrated longer. So I actually started with a little bit getting rated to try to, you know, see what kind of comps I can get from the local casinos. But uh, in hindsight... The ham sandwich wasn't worth it. No, no, no yeah. Um, but in hindsight, you know, one of, one of the locals, which is also a chain, probably has some notes on my card because mm-hmm. um, after I got backed off a couple times there, I tried going there using my card again and start playing blackjack. And uh, it is really hard to pass up those um, free turkeys they give out near Thanksgiving yeah, when you have, you have a player's card. Yeah. I've always wondered about that when they just, they're handing out these huge turkeys and hams. Are these players just like sitting at slot machines with these thawing turkeys <laughs> out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that and all the all the uh, all the uh, kitchenware that you get as well. Oh, yeah. Casinos give so sometimes I'm there looking like a like a gambler with my you know my box of of you know <laughs> uh, beer mugs that I got for free and I'm sitting at the table playing you know blackjack. It's kind of funny. Well, that that brings up a good point. You know, I I would encourage newer players to put a little more thought into um, their approach, like. There could be this like, oh, well, it's my local casinos, therefore this. Uh, but, you know, it's it could be more nuanced. Like, is it part of a chain? And if it is part of a chain, what does that mean for me? Does that mean I want to milk the entire chain? Uh, or do I want to play unrated at the entire chain so that if I get backed off, it's it's as, you know, an anonymous player? Um, but, but there can be this... It, I, I think that it's rare for a newer player to put a lot of thought into how they're going to attack, um, you know, not not just local versus non-local, but even, you know, um, yeah, where to play rated or where not. People are just like, do I play rated or not? Like, it's binary, but it can be a lot more nuanced than that. Yeah. It, those are probably lessons you've learned over time. Right. Yeah. And I think that comes just comes with experience, right? So, um so me and, and a couple of the other um, card counters and APs that that have been you know continuously staying in touch you know since boot camp you know we, we're all talking about casinos and have a better idea because we have more experience now on how to attack the game right how to attack the casino at, on, at, in different ways so um, it comes down to being smart about that and and trying to well what's the best EV from this casino because if we take a risk and get backed off and trespassed, we no longer have that casino anymore. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you've been, you know, continue to be involved on the forum. Uh, any advice for people that are maybe where you were at, you know, three, four years ago, uh, to, to, I don't know, lessons that you wish you could tell, uh, three or four years ago, Jack, Jack. Wow. What kind of advice can I give? I'm usually responding, like you know, with with uh, comments when when I when I see good form posts, I'll I'll, I'll write things. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm fairly active with that. But um, well, even that that's some advice. Yeah. You know, like I think there oh, are people yeah. that just aren't. Uh, and then the networking is like this. Uh, okay, well now I I need information, so I'm going to just start you know trying to get information oh, rather than right. like actually being a part of community. Like right, networking probably isn't difficult when you're a part of community. 
Absolutely. Oh, that's super important. I, and I think that's the reason why um, the people that I, I'm, I'm in touch with and stay in touch with, I think all of us have the same mindset where we're willing to share with each other, like share information as well as, as uh, support each other. So it, it comes down to, well, what kind of, what kind of uh, sticking points do you have? And then, you know, how can I help? Right. So it's, it's always when I'm talking with other guys, you know, I try to see where they're at and then I try to help them out with you know whatever they need like you know some some guys you know might need help cashing out chips and if it's a local area well yeah I'll cash out chips for you no big deal you know I think uh, Jack Jack actually helped me on um, networking a little bit which I consider is one of my stronger points is um, how to optimize your networking and how to create EV out of networking not just to you know to share information on certain things but he open my eyes up just to networking on how to create the most EV out of, you know, a certain casino, which is very important. Networking can be more than just sharing information on one casino to the next where a game's good or whatever, whatever might be there. So he, he opened my eyes up to some other ways of networking to even expand where I can get more EV. Can you elaborate a little <laughs> bit more on that? Like... Well, I mean, if, when you have a, a network base, um, for example, when ZK and I play, you know, we 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 split everything when we're playing blackjack. Um, but with if we if I get other people that I network with, and we can get into a same casino, and we can sort of share the EV if we all can go in on it, sort of like to say, instead of just you know trying to say, okay, I got this information, we're just going to keep it between ZK and myself. But if we can open it up and try to get the more more EV out of a certain casino with all of us playing there. It's sort of along those lines of thinking. Totally. That, you know, that was, uh, we had those battles with the church team because they're all part of a team, but also, you know, the more hours an individual gets in, the more that individual makes. And we constantly had to push to say, look, we're all going to make more money if, if we see it ourselves as being in it together. Now that was a team, so it's a little bit different, but that's still a push. I feel like I try to encourage people toward, now you gotta be smart, you know? You, you're not just, every BJ member isn't a, a teammate, quote unquote, you know? But um, to, to not see it as zero sum, like, well, uh, for me to win, they have to lose. Um, that there might be opportunities to say, hey, where are all the win-win opportunities with with the people that you know I trust and, and respect and all that stuff? So it sounds like that's that's kind of what you're getting at. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, what's your like when you when you're traveling for work and stuff and you go to play? Like what what's kind of your approach when you go to the table? Like what's your minimum bet and basically like what's your bet spread when you're there? And do you ever change that? Yeah. Um, so. Now that I have a bigger bankroll versus when I first started red chipping, and uh, you know now now I'm open to playing many more games. So at first my bankroll, when I came to boot camp, you know I had I had a bankroll of four thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. So every even here in Vegas, you know everything on the strip was just way out of my you know bet range at you know twenty five dollar minimums on the strip. Um, but now because I have a bigger bankroll, I can. Um, uh, you know, I have more options and more games. So when I'm yeah. going in, my bet spread, I try to keep my bet spread to look as natural as possible versus going um, going in with, you know, just odd numbers that the calculator, you know, yeah. puts out as, you know, for optimal bets. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll do something that just looks like a gambler's bet and try to, try to tweak it just a little bit so it looks natural. So, for instance, if you win, it, it'd be like, 
um, a 50, 100, 200, $400 progression. And that way- So it it's like chip up. Yep. It's so it kind of like chip And it's up. faster as well too. So when you're playing, you don't have to you know, break down chips and, and do that. So that way you can crank through more hands. Yeah, it's like I, the I know some people like to do the whole like putting reds on top and greens on top, but it's just it's also so slow, and the dealer has to break down all every single time for every double down, every split, every payout. Like it's totally like someone thinks they're getting some some cover, but you're right, yeah. man, like the the annoyance, the slowing down, you're you're probably annoying the dealer, all that stuff. Uh, like just bet less if, if you know you want some cover because you're costing yourself time and yeah. effort and all that with these weird bets. Yeah, I had an um, individual who uh, was talking to me outside of a casino and he said that his bet spread was similar to mine, that he was betting $875 on his top bet. And I'm like, I'm like why would you do $875? Why wouldn't you just do $900? <laughs> right. Yeah, what, what's, what's the blackjack payout at yeah. 875 How long does that take to Oh to my gosh, out, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the only exception uh, to do that would be if it was a place that, for example, had like a $500 max and they had to, they have to call upstairs for a max bet or if they have to call in the pit max bet or like table max. You know? But it's still in that scenario. You don't have to do something goofy like 490 you know? Like, 499 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just bet 400 or, you know, I suppose you could bet 450 it, you know. But even then, if you're going to bet 450 make sure you know what a blackjack gets paid out at, at right. 450 yeah. Otherwise, right. you know, you're having to figure out if you're paid right. Right, right. So you uh, you mentioned before that uh, not not on the podcast, but but you let us know that you do some day trading. Yes, yes. So I mean, that's kind of like my understanding, a little bit next level as, as far as number of variables and, and complexity. Uh, what what can you share as far as like the similarities or lessons learned between the two? Um, so I've been. How? You're all you're all in on uh, GameStop. Is that yeah? Is that your advice? That AMC, GameStop. Yeah, all uh, the meme stocks. Doge, absolutely. Dogecoin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. <laughs> um, so with with day trading, um, there, there's a there's a calculation called average true range that helps manage or helps measure the volatility of a stock price, and and that's a good one good rule of thumb that I use or one, one indicator that I use to help manage some of that risk because then you have some, some basis of, of uh, what that stock might do. Um, you never know, and you have to, you have to draw like, very hard lines on, on your stop so that you lose less, but you're always looking for you know, good risk-reward ratios on that. Um, as a rule of thumb, it's probably one to three, so you risk one for, and then you try to get a goal of, 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 of three times payout for whatever trade you're doing. So that's very, very high level, and that's, that's very over-generalization for day trading but because there's so many ways to trade the market. Um, but yeah, it comes down to risk and reward, but it, it just takes so much knowledge and uh, a lot of intuition um, and uh, really being plugged into the market almost on a daily basis in order to actually get a, a sense for what that stock or that market is doing and, and how you sense that. And then you have to keep, uh, keep your uh, eyes open for any type of news as well and, and you know, what, what is the, the, uh, the, the feel of the market. And you really have to have, have your feelers out there to see 
you know, from different perspectives, whether it's other, um, other traders uh, that might have an opinion on that, that trades similarly to the way you do, or um, keeping an eye out from, you know, reliable news sources uh, in order to get a sense for what the market's doing. And, it, and also as well as looking at the market as, as a whole. So, um, you know, looking at the, the very broad markets just to see where, where the money's going. So how is the money cycling through different markets? And that, that it helps. So for instance, I'll give an example of that. For instance, weed stocks, uh, a lot of money was being poured into weed stocks for a little while. And that market just kind of went dead because no one's interested in weed stocks anymore. Um, after weed stocks, it was the EV plays, the electric vehicle plays, which is the reason why Tesla has, has gone insane. Um, that died down a little bit, but now you know all the interest is coming back for EVs with, you know, the new new uh, new green green uh, mandates that we have, and everyone you know the government's pushing for you know save the environment, and and the market's seeing that, interpreting that as oh well the play is EV, so let's 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 invest in the EV stocks. So high level generalization for for that. How are like the swings and the variance in day trading compared to when you're at the blackjack table? Um, yeah, the swings can be insane, but um, if you if you have hard stops on what you want to risk, then uh, so long as you you uh, manage that volatility of the stock price, it's not that bad because you know where to stop. With blackjack, it's so long as it's positive, you know, if the shoe's positive, you just got to keep betting into it, and, and hopefully it turns around. So, and and uh, and that might be at the end of the shoe, or uh, and uh, or you know, on an extended losing streak, you, you know, you don't know where the bottom is. Yeah, I think you know, uh, you've either got to have some serious confidence or some gamble in you to to do day trading. That I just don't think I have either of those because uh, I think I'd be so afraid of not trusting, you know, the decisions I'm making. I, one of the guys I was originally on a team with, he was a day trader also. And yeah, it was just like you were saying, we'd be on a blackjack trip and he'd be up early in the morning to, you know, watch the, the stock news or, or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he would take breaks from day trading to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I just want to do something simple like card counting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he gets super sick of card counting. He'd be like, why does anyone play this game? Right. Um, but, but the day trading, the, the level of complexity to it, and like you said, like intuition or feeling, I don't, I don't have feelings. No, uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't trust uh, my intuition. So that's what I like about card counting. It's really cut and dry, um, but kudos to, to those that, that have, have the, the confidence or the gusto or whatever to do it. Right. Well, with that also, it's, it's, you don't have to trade that large either, right? So, and that, that'll minimize your risk for day trading. Um, so instead of, you don't have to buy a round lot of 100 shares of anything, right? You can just buy one share. And, uh, and that way, the, the actual dollar amount of that volatility is not that bad. So, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's similar to, you know, playing blackjack when I first started. I was terrified to, to go with the higher bets, which is the reason why I stayed at the red chips as long as, as I could until, you know, I felt my skill level was uh, perfect and uh, I can attack the game at higher, higher bet spreads. I'm afraid to be a red chipper as a day trader. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll throw it all in an index fund or something like that yeah. and, and then, uh, you know, throw my money at, at a game that I, <laughs> that I have some confidence in my abilities at. 
Uh, I wanted to circle back um, to the, when you said you went to the boot camp, you had a $4,000 bankroll, which is hard to get, you know, play $25 mins, things like that. Yeah. Did you wait till you could get a little bit uh, more money for your bankroll or did you try to just find like a really good game somewhere? Or how did you, like, did you wait till you, did you have more than 4,000 or? Um, it w- so when I got to boot camp, it was $4,000. Uh, when I was practicing over that summer before boot camp, like spring and summer, I, I, I started at like 2000 and I grew it to 4000. And the way of doing that is just aggressively play, you know, just play positive counts. You know, I'm constantly, I spent so much time wonging. I think I probably spent more time, you know, standing behind a table's back counting than I was actually at the table. If you're wonging, that's true. You right? spend less time playing than, than playing. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's so important for everyone. It's just like, if you have like a micro bankroll, you kind of don't have an option. Like that's what you have to be. Yeah. do to protect it and to actually make money and also the casino you're betting so small they don't care you know they might be annoyed because like okay this guy's trying to learn whatever but they're not gonna be backing you off left and right like wonging red yeah. chipping yeah. yeah and the g- other gamblers get so angry at you for jumping in and jumping out yeah especially because yeah. you're betting small yeah then they think you're just worthless but right yeah maybe jack jack will share his chart again because i remember once seeing his chart when i was first started and i was pretty jealous but also it's very motivating to see how he took such a small bankroll and and expanded it into a, a significant bankroll yeah so so you were saying it, it, you grew it from two to four and then boot camp and then you just kept you didn't add money to it you just kept grinding and, yeah, and grew it kept grinding the old-fashioned way the old-fashioned way the only the only thing was i i would earmark other money for it so that it would survive any type of variance for that because um even though um, my bankroll, so so um, so having money elsewhere, I actually earmarked that for the bankroll, quote bankroll. But the the chart that I showed was just all my profits, right? Cool. So I would only earmark other money for it to to reduce my risk of ruin. Um, otherwise, I would have been operating at a higher risk of ruin. But still, the same same approach is you know playing positive games and just grinding. So, yeah, so after the boot camp, when you were in the 4 to 6 to 8K range, yeah. you were just slowly, gradually, like, gaining it. So when that was happening, what kind of games were you playing, like, conditions? And, like, was there, a, like, a um, th- threshold for the kind of penetration you would play? Like, Yeah, so my local areas, um, I, I, the way I prioritized the casino was by deck pen and, and game condition, mostly deck pen, right? So... The last casinos that I ended up getting backed off with uh, were, were six deck shoes at, uh, you know, cutting off maybe a deck and a half, a deck and three quarters. Um, but, you know, I, I burned out all the good games first. And then whatever, whatever I, was, I was left with, those are the ones that I eventually ended up getting backed off last. So, um, so if you were, if there was someone else at the table, like basically you weren't playing negatives cause they were playing them for you. Right. I yeah. I, I had the same approach. Like, I mean, I still, <laughs> I still kind of do even with a bigger bankroll, but back then it's really important to just let them play and you don't have to be playing all the $10, $15 negatives. Like right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when I, I take breaks and eventually, you know, maybe get get uh, get some heat because I'm sitting out, you know, and and uh, the 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 other podcast uh, uh, with surveillance says that's probably the best way to get get uh, get get uh, 
uh, attention yeah. attention is is sitting out on negative counts. So to someone sharp, it is. Yeah, and, and he was yeah. he's definitely sharp. Uh, so. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time because we got a boot camp we still have to put on here today. But uh, what are some other, you know, maybe some parting advice that you can give people uh, from from your time growing a, you know, kind of a micro bankroll to to a, a quite empire, yeah, quite large, <laughs> you know, working towards paying off the the house bankroll. Um, yeah, what what advice can you share? Um, it's not all about your bankroll. I think the the, uh, the network is so important, and just having a you know a, a tightly a knit group of uh, other APs and card counters that you know you can talk with and network with and share information with, as well as as go out and play with too, because you know that's that's always fun. Uh, Colin, you always talk about how you know card counting is you know fairly lonely, and, and Joe, you've mentioned that in some of your podcasts too. It's it's uh, it's a lot of fun to actually be out and actually play with other card card counters as well. People over profits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I hear your story, I I kind of I see the discipline in a respecting risk of ruin because you have that you know trading background and all those other things, but also you're not afraid. The, the you know the uh, lack of fear of getting backed off sitting out and or quote unquote looking weird or anything like that yeah yeah well one of the things I rehearsed a lot was uh, was from Colin you know I was I was terrified of getting backed off so I just I just memorized and rehearsed um, the a response for that every time you know and and it was uh, it was well, I hope I didn't do anything wrong and, and just keep it at that level. And every time I, I, every time I got backed off, that's, I would say that because I've rehearsed it so much. And then, you know, you, you see their, their, their brains like short circuit. They're like, uh, well, no, you haven't done anything wrong, but no more blackjack. Yeah. <laughs> Way better than being combative. Uh, any, any favorite, uh, back off stories or, or, uh, or just blackjack stories you could share with us? Um, yeah, I can't think of one okay. right now. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, I probably could refresh his memory when um, we all met downtown in Vegas. And oh, yes. On that. That's right. Yeah. When we, um, there, there was one, and this wasn't around boot camp, but a bunch of us, for some reason, we were out here in Vegas, and there was a bunch of uh, blackjack apprenticeship guys here, and we thought it'd be really funny to go to the local that that's referred to as the uh, sweaty Spaniard, mm-hmm. and all of us went in. There was there's like four or five of us, and we all we all went in there, and uh, it was hilarious to see the pit staff just run around like crazy, you know, because all of us were hitting different tables, and uh, and and I heard one of the pit balls, "Are you here with friends?" Because <laughs> he was so mad, you know, and he was running back and forth, and then you know, and some of us were going in, and we're 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 trying to distract him too, and asking for comps. And they're saying, well, you don't even have a card here. How are you going to give you a cop? You know, we're trying to distract them from, you know, try to pull the attention away from the other card counts. We were just doing it for fun. You should have just started crying at the table. But I don't have any friends. Why did you have to bring that up? Dude, I hope I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to share, share your story. Um, and so for those who've enjoyed Jack Jack's posts on the forum over the last couple of years. Now here's a little bit of story to to the uh, username or 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 whatever. And uh, if you have follow up questions, you could ask him uh, through the forum. And we will catch you guys next time. 